prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Beanie Feldstein on taking on the role of Monica Lewinsky in American Crime Story and her comfort movie, Bridesmaids. Hey guys, Josh Horowitz here with another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Welcome aboard as always, guys. A, uh, a fun show today. Beanie Feldstein, a delight. You can't, you can't not love Beanie Feldstein. Uh, you know her, of course, from her work in in Booksmart and Lady Bird on Broadway and Hello Dolly. Um, she has accomplished so much in, frankly, a really short period of time. She's only been acting professionally in film and TV for the last five years, but um, man, she has she has accomplished a lot, and there's a lot more exciting stuff to come, including the new American Crime Story series from Ryan Murphy, Impeachment. This, of course, tells the story of Monica Lewinsky and Linda Tripp and Monica's, you know, relationship at the time with President Bill Clinton and all the all the sordidness of that period. And it's fascinating. I've seen the first five episodes of this show to see a kind of this from a different perspective. You know, I lived through that time and I remember how Monica was really vilified and made out to be the the enemy and to to realize that there's a lot more nuance to this story um and really nobody gets out you know unscathed in this in this uh in this story it's a um it's an exceptional piece of work from from both beanie but also uh the great sarah paulson who plays linda tripp clive owen as bill clinton Edie Falco's Hillary. I mean, the, the cast is, is just bananas. So definitely check this out, if for no other reason than to see a different side of, of, uh, of Beanie Feldstein. Um, Beanie has uh, been somebody that I've been talking to right from the start. Um, I, I didn't even realize this, but apparently I, I think I did the first like official interview with Beanie when I visited the set of Neighbors 2. That was her first film. Uh, we reminisce about that. And we reminisce about just like everything that's come in between, whether it's, it's you know, being in films about female friendships in different capacities like Lady Bird and Booksmart, or in loving on films about female friendships like uh, her comfort movie choice, The Great Bridesmaids. Um, surprised that nobody had picked that film just yet, but I'm great. I'm grateful and happy that that Beanie chose it because it's a it's an excellent pick and one definitely worth revisiting. So this conversation with Beanie is fantastic, and it's really you know she's thoughtful and smart and interesting. Of course, you probably know she uh, she happens to be Jonah Hill's sister, and clearly they share a great intellect and passion for the arts and it's great to see it sort of manifest in a different way. Jonah is a totally different unique individual uh, but to see all the commonality that they share um, is exciting and inspiring and I, I feel really privileged to, to know them both so this was a great chat. Um, other things to mention outside of the main event podcast today, well, Shang-Chi is, of course, out in theaters. It's making a gajillion dollars. I'm so happy to see that if you're able to see it safely. Go see it because it's a great piece of work and it's, uh, you know, the the launching pad of a new Marvel hero and a new and more importantly, a new great actor in, in Simu Liu, uh, a great a great movie star. Really, it's a movie movie star performance. And 
got a chance to talk to Simu. Uh, that conversation uh, in two aspects is available for you. I did kind of a straight ahead, um, fun, but but semi-serious chat, I guess, for MTV News. That's on MTV News' YouTube page. And then I had some fun with him and Aquafina for Comedy Central. Um, and that's also available on Comedy Central's YouTube page. I've put them out on my social media. So if you've missed it, just go back on, on Twitter or Instagram and you'll be able to check it out. Um, let's see, other things to mention. Oh, there's some fun uh, Comedy Central stuff coming up um, with Kristen Bell and Kirby Howell Baptiste. Um, they are in the new film Queen Pins. Um, did some fun kind of games and shenanigans with them for Comedy Central. That should be out very, very soon. Um, and you're gonna have to wait a little while for this one, but I'll tease it because it's happened. Um, I got a chance to catch up with Mr. Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya. Yes, they are, of course, starring in Dune, a little film I've only been borderline obsessed about for years. So um, yes, I have seen Dune. Yes, I have a lot to say about Dune. And yes, there's a fun, great conversation with Timmy and, uh, and Zendaya coming at you a little bit closer to release. So patience, it's coming. It will be worth the wait, I promise you guys. Um, all right, that's the, that's the main tease for now. Oh, a new game night, by the way, coming up next week on the Patreon page with uh, some new folks to, to game night. Some new charming gentlemen coming to game night. I'm very excited about this one. You will very much enjoy it. Uh, as always, you can check that out. As all, you can check out all the old game nights and video versions of Happy, Sad, Confused on our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash happy, sad, confused. Okay, let's get to the main event. Uh, we taped this on the new year on Rosh Hashanah, appropriate, the Jewiest podcast in the land, Horowitz and Feldstein. <laughs> Here we go. Here's me and Beanie. Beanie, welcome to the podcast. Um, long overdue. We've chatted so many times, but this is this is the deep dive. This is where the tears come. This is where introspection happens. We're getting deep. <laughs> Um, it's happening it's all happening uh congratulations on everything a, a lot to discuss today uh happy new year as we tape this Lashana Toba I mean this is meant to be I wish I had my apples and my honey but they're sadly in the other yeah exactly I'm a couple <laughs> hours away from dipping mine as well um but yeah it's a it's a it's a big day this is also the day as we tape this that uh the show debuts how are you feeling just generally right now I think it feels completely and utterly surreal. That's, I mean, I know it's a common word, but it really, it sums it up, man. It sums it up. Um, it feels surreal. You know, I first found out that I would be playing the role in a part of the production in June, 2019. I was 25. I'm 28 now. So it's been a really long time. And we also filmed the entirety of the show during the depths of the pandemic. And now all of a sudden the sun is shining. I'm in New York and the show's coming out. It feels, I didn't know if we'd ever see this day. So it feels right. like. Well, and, and not to mention that. So I, I, I ran into you a few, just a few weeks ago when, um, wait, can I still hear you? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. So, sorry. Um, so yeah. So I, not to mention that I ran into you just a few weeks ago, they debuted, um, just a portion of the show for some of us here in New York. And I learned that you were actually still shooting it. So this is like, did you finish shooting like three days ago? This is an, also an odd circumstance. It's, I mean, look, if this is the craziest thing that happened, I mean, 
we're in a global pandemic. Right. So we are All bets are off on crazy stuff. Yeah, exactly. Best we can. We're lucky that everyone's safe and happy. And that's the most important thing. But we didn't finish till two weeks ago. So we shot for 10 full months, 170 shooting days, which the longest film I'd ever shot, I think was 40 days. So <laughs> it was completely new territory for me. Um, and yeah, we, we were filming up until people were already seeing it. You know, certain people, as you said, by the time we yeah. were still very much filming the 10th episode. So it was crazy. That's a weird circumstance where people are, I mean, I imagine people aren't necessarily giving you like feedback, but like at the same time, you are hearing some kind of like reviews of a nature and you're like, wait, I'm still making it. Should I be adjusting according to what I'm hearing or is it too late? And by then you've, you've, you've decided what this character is, how you're approaching it. You can't change what you're doing. Totally. I think, you know, I think some shows, network shows, shows they've been on a long time are, are very used to that dynamic, but right. For me coming from mostly theater and films, I was new to TV in general, let alone that kind of, um, it's very unique for a, a series of our nature to be yes. a part of something like that. So um, I haven't uh, contextualized it. I'm, I'm gonna lose my job uh, immediately. Unfortunately, I, I, I employ myself on the podcast so nobody can fire me. But the, we, we were of course talking about um, American Crime Story impeachment um, and this remarkable uh, story, you know, ripped from history. Uh, in which Beanie plays, of course, Monica Lewinsky. Um, you know, when I when I think of of you as a performer, I I feel like you're a joyous performer. You take so much joy and happiness in what you do, and the nature of this role. And you kind of intimated this already. The nature. I mean, it's a long shoot. It's an intense kind of character going through a lot of really you know upsetting circumstances. Um, were you able to take quote unquote joy? in this process or was it a different kind of a joy or satisfaction? Well, first of all, that is very kind and it means a great deal to me that you would say that. That is, yes, I think that, you know, um, in many ways where Monica and I were very similar as far as like our upbringings and that we both grew up Jewish, West Side LA, doing like musical theater at our local high school and like community theaters, but the other thing that I think we really share intrinsically is kind of this uh, gregariousness, a love of people, a, uh, Monica was always described then, and I can attest now as well, that she lights up a room. Like she had this inner energy that would just shine a light on whoever was around her. And so in that way, the beginning of the story, before Monica meets any of the other major players, we were very similar in, in that right. way of like our demeanor and the way that we relate to people and we're very people loving, we're very outgoing and ex extroverted. So when Monica was in that space, it was incredibly kind of natural and very um, intrinsic and very joyful. You know, she's, she's in a place at the beginning of, not necessarily actually in the first episode, but chronologically in 1995 when she comes to DC she graduated from college in Portland a month before she comes to DC. So she's in that moment where I think any of us that are old enough to know that feeling like completely understand you're, you've just graduated college and who are you in the world? You know, you know yeah. who you are within the institution of home and family and school, but who are you as an adult in the world for the first time? And it's that really exciting, nerve wracking, kind of like bubbly, delicious spot in your life where you're becoming an adult in truth for the first time. And right. so that 
connective tissue was very easy and it was also very joyful. And then it was sort of the unraveling of that feeling that you kind of um, watch Monica go through, obviously under very specific, specific circumstances throughout the show. Um, and she does experience a lot of pain, betrayal, trauma, um, and those were very new for me to explore on screen. Right. But the, the beginning Monica, the 1995 kind of exuberant, thoughtful, um, smart, you know, all of those attributes. Um, yeah. She comes into her, intern into her internship possessing. I felt like we're very joyful and very kind of natural. It's funny because like I've talked to so many actors that have worked with Ryan Murphy um, and he's obviously the one that instigates this project and brings it to you. Um, and they love, they love Ryan, like to a man, everybody just like adores Ryan. And I think I, 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 I get why in, in a number of respects. And one of them occurs to me in that like, for instance, like Sarah Paulson's work with Ryan, like who but Ryan has shown, has given her the opportunity to show so many different sides of what she can do. I mean, you only need to look honestly, I mean, she's done so much more, but like the work she's done with Ryan alone is like the spectrum of acting. And similarly for you, you know, we've never seen you in, like you just kind of alluded to like these kind of like, especially these darker portions as she kind of like gets, you know, embroiled in this. Um, it must be so invigorating and inspiring for you as an actor when someone like Ryan Murphy calls you up and says, I want to see you do something you haven't done in a, in a project of this, of this nature. Yes, you, you nailed it. You, you get it. Um, <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was exactly that. It was, you know, all I ever want in my working life and in my personal life too is to be challenged. Kind of what's the next thing? What's the next... Um, story or character that I that's gonna make me raise my own stakes and raise my own game and and push me outside of my comfort zone and whether it's a shift in medium or a shift in genre or a type of story I've never told before that's what you always look for is that like you don't want to be too comfortable because then you're not growing and you're not learning so when Ryan called me and said do you want to play Monica Lewinsky and be a producer on the project it was like handing that delicious kind of otherworldly challenge because it was something that, I remember there was a moment when we were filming um, a sequence that is actually the, the very opening sequence of the show. And then we returned to that moment in the sixth episode, um, which is when Linda has led Monica to the mall to be taken by the FBI into right. the hotel room with the Office of Independent Counsel. And we were filming a shot of um, me and Sarah and, uh, Brian and Craig, who are two FBI agents, uh, in in the elevator, and I remember looking at her. I looked at Paulson, who has become, I mean, deeper than family to me at this point. It's like older sister, younger sister. To she's like one of the great loves of my life, and I looked at her and I was like, I'm in a. This is. This is a drama. Right. Like, uh, hello, and I'm like, no, I know it is because of all the. I mean, of course, just naturally, it is a drama. But and, and then through all my research, I found the research really painful and difficult to yeah. do because it was so heavy and dark and upsetting to me as a young woman reading about what happened to Monica and and the unraveling of her friendship and all the other dynamics that play in the show. So of course I knew, but it 
it was kind of for the first time that it struck me in the day-to-day -day moment of the acting of being on set that I was like, I've genuinely never done this before. I've right. never done this before. And the, um, the depth and the pain and the, the um, intense humanity of what Monica had to go through specifically in, in that episode, but also beyond it and before it, um, that was, it was kind of uh, jaw dropping to me. I just couldn't yeah. quite believe even growing up, some musicals are very emotional and very dark and dramatic, but I didn't even often do those musicals. Like I was doing mostly <laughs> comedy and then I did Our Town and the Laramie Project and I did classic plays, but always in a school setting. Right. And always, even then people would be like, outside your comfort zone, me. And I'd be like, I get it, okay. Um, and it was interesting because it actually, it, it was um, incredibly challenging in so many ways, but also um, felt really beautiful. And it was such a um, powerful experience for me to get to portray. One of the other, you know, very unique aspects of a production like this, and I, I know you've talked about it a lot, but it's something that I'm sure is important to you, is that you even told me when I ran into you, you that you view yourself as kind of Monica's bodyguard to a, to a certain extent. She's a producer on this as well. And for me, you know, watching the, the I've watched the first five episodes and the, to, to watch and reevaluate um, just how she was treated and how she was vilified and and, and uh, at the center of this madness back then is just fascinating and I think anyone my age will feel like complicit like did we laugh at the monologue jokes did we like you know it, it, it's it's kind of re it's really disturbing in many aspects but for you having this unique opportunity to not only play her but to have access to her and to to form this kind of bond with her um I mean talk to me a little bit about how that like relationship has evolved like what is, is the nature of the relationship like let me pick your brain about this, or is it more, uh, more, uh, less specific in terms of how you guys work together? It's the second one. It's the second one for sure. Yeah. I think people have this, understandably have this vision of me calling her before every scene right. and like, Monica, tell me this, tell me this. <laughs> also, you have to remember, again, this is someone's life and this is someone's trauma. So I didn't really think that it was, um, it didn't feel, uh, it didn't feel, needed for me to call her and say, can you, can you just relive that trauma for me really quickly over the phone? That's not- right. <laughs> Do me a solid and go to this darkest period right. in your life and tell me what you were feeling. Yeah. She always says that like, she watches the show from two different perspectives. One is producerially and one is like as a subject. And she's like, right. as a subject, it's incredibly difficult. And as a producer, I'm incredibly proud. And both of those things can be true at the same time. But for me, I did, um, before I even got to meet Monica, so Ryan called me in June 2019, and then I didn't meet Monica until March 2020. So in those, you know, nine months, I did an intense, deep time <laughs> amount of research. Um, our wonderful researcher on the show gave each of us like a Dropbox that had all the information we could need, all the text that we would need, all the transcripts of the depositions, every video in that Dropbox till two weeks ago was my best friend in the world. <laughs> um, and so I, I had read everything. I had listened to the tapes, which I found to be a very emotionally dense and intense experience. And so by the time I met Monica, I felt so deeply understanding of what she had gone through, through my research and through reading the incredible scripts by Sarah Burgess, who I think is just such a genius. And 
So by the time I met her, I just, it was more important for me that she understood who I was as a person and where my heart lies and where my intentions lie and that she could trust me, you know, because I, I, I can only imagine someone that has been through what she's been through that she might not trust people very easily. And I think, you know, she, I just wanted her to know that I have her back. As you said, I felt very protective of her. Like I was like, I'm her bodyguard or her little like five foot one Jewish bodyguard. (laughs) Um, And so it was more, it was more um, loose or, or um, honestly cozy. It was just, I just wanted her to feel comfortable with me and for it to feel like a reciprocated relationship. Cause I also could imagine if someone had studied me for nine months and then came in with like a pen and paper, it would feel like, can I get to know you too? You know, like I, I'm right, the right. person that would be like, tell me about you just so it feels a little bit even on both sides. But I wanted details. I wanted details that I couldn't find in books and that weren't on the tapes and I had never heard her talk about. So like a lot of the photos were in black and white, like what nail polish color were you wearing at the time? <laughs> like in the first scene, Monica orders coffee. So I'm like, we gotta get that coffee order right. Um, her best friend, Catherine features in the show. First of all, I wanted to know more about their dynamic um, that was kind of off the page or I couldn't find in detail. But then also like, do you call her Kath? Do you call her Kathy? Do you call her Kath? Like these specific things that even I remember once texting her like, did, you, did this grandma give you this necklace or did the other grandma? Like, was it your dad's side? Or, you know, just little details like that that really make a human being feel human and not like a yeah. bundle of bullet points or research. You know, you want to... So it was, but again, I, I, I really did not think it was necessary. I understood what my job was. I didn't think it was necessary to make her have to relive those experiences with me before every scene. It would just be, it's 170 days. It would have been too much. Um, so yeah, there were, t- there were weeks where we would text off and there would be weeks where I, we'd both be off doing our own things. And then I'd text her and be like, so did you call this grandma Bubby or Bubba? <laughs> what? I can't remember what you, and she'd be like, you know, weigh in, but she was very involved with the script. Um, she gave a lot of notes on the scripts. So by the time the scripts reached me, I knew that specifically about Monica, when Monica appears on the page, that it had been, you know, felt honest and true to what Monica herself went through. Um, so yeah, I think that was a deeply long-winded answer. To no, no, no. It's all it's all it's all very very fascinating, and I think people will be curious to hear about it. Um, one aspect that I'm curious to hear about is, you know, my sense is from our past conversations and following each other on social media, we share a lot of the same politics, um, and it's a complicated relationship. I feel like a lot of people have with like the Clintons, and when you take on a project like this, like. The likelihood of this is a superficial kind of like the least of your worries in some respects, but like the likelihood of you being friends now with Chelsea Clinton or Hillary Clinton have probably gone down significantly <laughs> thanks to your participation in, in this project. They're probably not anxious to see this dramatized and who knows if they'll ever watch it. Is that even a consideration? Like I, in some ways, admire what these folks have done politically. And I don't, I feel shitty about kind of dredging it up for them and knowing that they're going to hate it in a way. I think that, you know, I think if you look, as you said, we follow each other on social media. I campaigned for Hillary Clinton. I voted very openly and actively again, I campaigned for for Hillary. Um, 
And I also simultaneously think that what happened to Monica and Linda Tripp and Paula Jones, not just singularly Monica, but all three of the women, um, in the 90s, the treatment that they experienced by our society through the media was so misogynistic and so dehumanizing and a caricature of a person lacked all humanity. And I think that those things can be true at the same time. Right. I, I believe in complexity. I believe in things not being black or white or this or that, but there being a lot of, you know, I feel like the, the greatest thing about human beings is that we're mushy and we're messy and we're complicated and that we can exist in multitudes, you know? And I think the fact that I campaigned and voted for Hillary is something that I'm very proud of. And the fact that I'm playing Monica Lewinsky and giving her story back to the world is something that I'm very proud of. And, and both of those things can be true at the same time. Yeah. I, I want to take this opportunity since we do have some time to, uh, to take a step back and kind of look at where you're at and where you've come from. Um, because, you know, we, it's, it's only been a few short years since you've been doing this professionally, but um, it's been exciting to kind of see you and talk to you at these very exciting kind of points I think of- you were my first interview ever, I think. That, maybe, I mean, that was, on, so we were on the set. On set. Definitely first onset interview for sure. Well, I'm, I'm honored that I was in the right place at the right time. So that was on the set of, of Neighbors 2. And I'm, well, I'm curious in, in a few respects, like on that front, that was your first film, I, I believe, right? My first yeah. in earnest, for sure. Right. So you, you, I mean, you waited though, like you, you graduated college. You like, despite like everything I know about you is like you practically came out of the womb, like ready to like sing and dance and entertain. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so you, you were lucky enough to have that certitude, yet you didn't pursue it professionally prior to then. Even having an older brother who succeeded and seen that path, like, I'm just curious, like your mindset of like, why you, why you waited? That was clearly a decision. It was, um, it was totally a decision. And I, I remember being, I went to Wesleyan University in Connecticut. I loved it, an insane amount. Um, but I remember getting very emotional, surprisingly on graduation day when I held, well, you don't really hold your diploma until like a few weeks later, but you hold the case, right? <laughs> right. And, um, walking across and hearing my name and my family being there. And I, I remember getting emotional because I wasn't sure it would come and it mattered a lot to me. So to answer your question, um, I'm, a, I'm, I love to act, I love to sing, I love to dance. And I also really love school and I'm a very academic person. And I think my relationship with academics kind of ebbed and flowed throughout my childhood. I wasn't always, I didn't always believe in myself as an academic because I was such a performer. It was sometimes like, oh, well, I don't have time to do this because I'm doing X, Y, and I'm taking dance and I'm taking singing right. and I'm performing. And okay, it's okay if, you know, my essay isn't as good because look, I'm performing in this show. This is, I'm talking school theater, community theater. I'm not talking like Broadway. Um, but I think sometimes when you're growing up and you have such an intense passion, that passion can be put uh, up against school, almost like you have to choose. And whether it's sports or whatever it is, you know, for me, it was performing. But I think sometimes it's like an either or situation. Right. And I subscribe to that ideology a lot growing up of like, well, if I'm a performer, it's okay if I don't value school. But there was always this voice in the back of my head that was like, you really love school. And you've always been an academic person and you need to honor that side of yourself. So by the end of call, uh, excuse me, by the end of high school, I started to kind of believe in myself again as an academic person. And I just had a real kind of 
heart to heart with myself. And I um, I was like, you know, I could go to a drama school. I could easily get a BFA. That was something that I knew was within my reach um, as far as getting into some BFA program somewhere. But I, I wanted to honor that academic side of myself. Right. To finally give her, I think, the, the kind of time and commitment that I never did always growing up. So I decided to go to a school with amazing arts, with an incredible art scene and student run theater and every kind of, I mean, like the dance, the music, everything at Wesleyan is, it's just like brimming with artistic energy. But I really wanted to, to put my scholar hat on and be an academic person for a while. And I almost transferred to a school in the city. I almost transferred to Barnard only because I wanted to be closer to acting opportunities. And I, I said, I, again, and heart to heart number two. And I was like, no, stay, you love it here, stay, you know, just do this. It'll, it'll all work out. Just commit yourself to this. And look, I, I'm so someone that believes that every person has their own path. Like some people in my family are super academic and others are arguably just as smart, if not way smarter, but just never succeeded in the classroom setting and didn't go to college and like, who gives a, like, I don't care at all. Um, but for me, that setting was something that I craved. And so I was like, acting will be there, which was a hard decision to make because I look super young. So I could have played like 14, 15 when I was 18. And I could have auditioned for all these roles that are, you know, when you're old enough and you don't have to go to school and all this. There were so many people saying like, just do it, just go for it now. But but I really wanted to value that side of myself that that needed to see something through in a way that I hadn't always. And I'm so grateful to Wesleyan and I'm so, I'm really proud of my younger self for kind of committing to that. Um, and it's, it's uh, yeah, my, I got emotional when I got my degree because I was like, wow, I could have quit so many times. Oh my God. It's such an unusual path for a young person nowadays where I feel like there's so, so much impatience to like, when do I get mine? When do I, especially in your field, like when do I, and certainly this wasn't your aspiration, but when do I get famous? When do I get the likes? When do I get the adulation? And, and it's really telling that you were able to kind of like stave that off and stay true to a different part of yourself for as long as you did. Totally. It's like that, um, I received back to my, my, studies but my social scientist in me but that uh video of the kids with the marshmallows that are like have you ever seen it it's all about delayed gratification and it's like they put marshmallows in front of kids and they're like if you don't touch it or eat it if when I come back in 20 minutes you can have two but if you eat it now you can't have another one and it's all like a study in delayed gratification um so yeah I like sat on my hands and didn't eat the marshmallow right away. And I Good for <laughs> you. I would have eaten the marshmallow, the stick, the hand it was attached to. I'm not that, I'm not that strong. Um, I'm curious, like, okay, so we've talked before and, 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 and we've alluded to today, obviously your interest in musical theater and, 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 and song and dance, jazz hands, et cetera. But like, when I asked you for a comfort movie, um, you, you gave a few different choices and we, uh, we pinpointed one that I want you to, to dive a little bit deep on today, but none of them are musicals. Mm -hmm. um, Although I guess, well, one of them uh, has a big musical aspect to it. Um, but talk to me a little bit, just first talk to me a little bit about who you were. Like, did you have an eclectic love of pop culture or were you like, as a teenager, like all about music, musical theater, or did you kind of love it all? Um, I would 
say I I was like a pretty classic theater geek. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Own um, it. Yeah. Like you know, sitting home and watching Broadway.com like opening night videos and like <laughs> <laughs> that was my my shtick. Um, and yeah, you know, uh, Jonah and I always joke because he's like, "You're so not a cinephile," and I'm like, "But ask me anything about Sondheim. Like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just different." I'm really not a cinephile. I feel like I'm learning so much more about being on camera and, and making movies and, and now making television um, in my 20s. But growing up, I had such a singular focus and it was musical theater and Broadway. Um, so yeah, that was like my deep, intense fandom So, up. So, so the, the, the ones, let's, let's first mention just the runners up just to give them a little love. Um, I think one previous guest has cited maybe Matilda. I'm not sure. Or no, I, I talked to, you know who I talked to recently? I talked to Daisy Ridley, who was also obsessed with Matilda. And I surprised her with, um, now I'm blanking on the, on the actress's name, the amazing Mara actress. Mara Wilson. Mara Wilson, yes. Um, and it blew Daisy's mind. I surprised I her with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you also mentioned, I mentioned a musical bent. You mentioned School of Rock, the great Richard Linklater film with Jack Black, et cetera. Fantastic. Um, all worthy choices. But the one that we're going to talk about a little bit is a great one that I'm surprised hasn't come up yet. Um, yeah. They sent me the list of everyone that's been on the show recently. And I was like scanning and looking for it and no one chose it. So I was like, like I got it. <laughs> so what's your pick? And tell us uh, a little bit uh, in brief, just why it's such a comfort movie for you. Well, I would say it's my everything movie, comfortably <laughs> one of the terms I would put to it, but like, I did say the words earlier today, it changed my life and I believe that it did, um, which is Bridesmaids. Um, anyone that has ever talked to me for about four minutes would know that it's one of the great loves that I have. Um, I think that, well, comforting in the sense that, the, the aspect of it that's so comforting is the, honest, true depiction of female friendships, which obviously is something that I'm very committed to um, in my work and more importantly in my life. Um, but just the the rapport and the comfort and the, the chemistry between Maya and Kristen and all of them really, but centrally those two, it just is so comforting. It feels like looking into a future version of me and several of my friends, you know? Um, but that movie came out, well, it come, yeah, most movies come out on Fridays, but the Thursday midnight showing, I went with Ben, uh, my best friend, Ben Platt, and then all of our other high school friends, Max, Anna, Nick, all of us. And we went at midnight and it was the last week of high school that it came out. And I literally, I've never, like to this day, there are a few movie going experiences that I've had that have ever even come close because I laughed so hard. I literally slid off my chair, like into the popcorn that was on the floor. Um, but also I got it, that feeling that people talk about of like feeling seen, right? Yep. The hero of the yep. time, never felt seen like that in my whole life. And it was interesting because I was watching in preparation for our discussion today, I was watching some clips <laughs> Well, it's also discomforting to me, right? So I was watching this and on YouTube, it, um, there was a, a suggested video. I couldn't think of that term. There was a suggested video for Melissa McCarthy and Rose Byrne, a junket interview that they gave when the show was coming, the movie was coming out. And I clicked on it. I hadn't seen it before, which was rare for me. And 
the first question asked was the, uh, I think it's a British reporter was like, so we hear this movie is like the female version of The Hangover. And I could not believe my ears. And I think, I think that it, it was so, it was such a perfect way for me to like, situated in the history of comedy, the most yes. recent history of comedy, but also ex help explain why it means so much to me because little did I would, little did I know at the time, little would I have ever known that I would eventually be in a movie like Booksmart where understandably because of who my brother is, the first question out of everyone's mouth was like, we hear this is the female super bad. Right. But it was crazy to me that Bridesmaids got that treatment. And I think it just goes to show like for a young woman that at that point didn't even wanna be in movies. Like I just wanted to be on Broadway, but that wanted to make people laugh that made her friends laugh, whose friends made her laugh, was just a young girl growing up with best friends and that relationship being like the, uh, the funniest part of her life or yep. those friendships. It just was so moving. It was so moving to see so many different types of women and that are funny in all different ways. It wasn't like the movie is doing one thing comedically, it's doing so many different things. And I will tell you the infamous story, my infamous bridesmaid story in my family, which is that the Oscar nominations that year were announced. And my mom called me and she was like, can you believe the news? And I was hysterically crying. And I said, because Melissa McCarthy's nominated for bridesmaids. And she goes, no, because your brother's nominated. <laughs> for and I was like, that too, that too. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, uh, yeah. Amazing. But personally, his nomination mattered. But for my, my career, like as far as inspiration goes, yeah, her yeah. being recognized for that type of role was something, and for the script to be recognized, like it was beyond my wildest dreams. I was like, people care. People actually care and, and, and want to celebrate this movie. And that meant everything to me. So that's my really long-winded answer. No, I, I mean, please, all of that is brilliant and wonderful. And it, it really does resonate, even though it's obviously not, I, I, didn't, I don't have the same like connection. I do, I've had that experience just watching, frankly, you know, secondhand, other people's stories told on the screen for the first time. I mean, I remember in a totally different weird way, like when I saw Wonder Woman and I see like the opening sequence and I'm like, why am I like, why am I like tearing up? It's like, oh, I've, yeah. I've never seen this kind of a action scene photographed this way. And it really is inspiring in recent years. Like a lot of it is frankly, uh, I, I think of the way my head is oriented is is in these kind of blockbusters, which I love, but like you think of Black Panther and recently Shang-Chi and whatever, and it's just something really beautiful about seeing people for the first time getting a chance to see their their lives in some way depicted. And it's- um, It's incredibly important. It's yeah. incredibly important. Um, and also like, it's such, it's such connected tissue, like, that movie is what bonded me and Sersha when we first met. Right. So we quote it to each other literally all day, every day <laughs> um, <laughs> on when we were filming Lady. But like, it just becomes this, there's not a young person I know 
that identifies as female um, or non-binary that doesn't feel like they want to talk about that movie or quote that movie to, you know, like back yeah. and forth. It just is such an easy, delicious way to make someone laugh. So, so what's it like for you now in the years since and relatively few short years since, like I think of something certainly a lot of great moments from Booksmart, but also even like Lady Bird, you just mentioned, like, the, you know, the it's the titular role is that quotable line now for kids. It's been memed and quoted probably every minute of every day. Um, it must be really surreal to go back to our original wor word yeah. to be a part of that now. Completely. I mean, Kristen Wiig was at the premiere of Booksmart and Caitlin <laughs> and I like, grabbed not even each other's hands like full arms like we were like this is called the fireman's link I don't even know what it's called we were like grasping each other and like physically shaking we were like one of us has to go up to her one of us has to go together okay um and we were like shaking and we like tapped her on the shoulder and she was like girls and like gave us the biggest but it was everything I mean it was literally everything to us um but yeah the titular role thing makes me laugh so hard I could Never, and it also just goes to show you because I remember being so nervous that day that we filmed that scene. It was the third or fourth day of shooting. I left feeling like I didn't do Greta Proud. I didn't do Saoirse Proud. I was like, I could have done better. And you know, so everything that we are is, and I think everyone that loves what they do and cares about what they do is always gonna be self-critical. But I was like, I could have done better. And what if I didn't do enough? And what if she didn't have, you know, she doesn't have what she needs. And then that's the scene that becomes like, you know, the scene everyone always talking about. So you never know. And we sometimes don't know ourselves at all. Can't see, you know, outside ourselves. But um, Greta's a genius. That line is so funny. And, but yeah, it's surreal. And it's, it's bizarre, but it's, I understand. I think it's funny too. Um, so much exciting stuff going on for you. Beyond, of course, this series, um, you've got what I know to be a very significant Broadway role for you, uh, to say the least. The, the role you were practically born to play, uh, you, you've been pre performing this in some fashion for 25 years or so, Funny Girl? Yeah. You're um, prepped, you're ready. Well, my three-year-old self certainly thought she was ready. My 28-year-old self is like, you have a lot of work to do. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I actually, yeah, I actually kind of, I don't know if I purposely didn't give you a comfort musical, but I feel like for me, listening to soundtracks is more of like the way I feel comforted by musicals, less watching the movie versions for some reason. Um, but when I was growing up, the way that my friends would beg to watch Elmo or The Little Mermaid or, you know, Beauty and the Beast or whatever, I, would just say Fanny Bryce on repeat to my mom <laughs> as every two and a half year old. <laughs> um, and I begged my mom to make the theme of my birthday party funny girl, which, you know, even most of the adults didn't understand <laughs> the party. Um, but yeah, that's just who I was. As you said, I, I was very singularly focused from a very young age. Um, but I also had nodules on my vocal cords as a kid. So I, oh, wow. and um, <laughs> never thought I'd ever be a singer because I could barely speak. So uh, that, that part of it was a later um, discovery, but I am, um, yeah, it's, it's, 
talk about surreal. Like it's, it's Fanny Bryce <laughs> and it hasn't been on Broadway since 1964 with Barbara Streisand. So it's um, beyond my wildest. It'll be a trip. Yeah, it's beyond everything, but we haven't started yet. Uh, they haven't, you know, created the company of actors who are gonna, um, I get to be with every night, the, the joy. But I, you know, doing Hello Dolly was, you started this conversation by talking about joy. It was like taking, like if someone could put joy into a bottle and then just chugging it every night. Like it was the most joyful, special experience. And those people are still some of the closest people in the world to me were that company and that crew. And I, Broadway is a very, very, very special experience. And as an audience member, I'm just so grateful that the theaters are opening again and that people get to be back in the theater, you know, completely separate from Funny Girl or from even being a performer myself as a fan, <laughs> my original role. Um, I'm just so excited and I'm so happy. I think it's so restorative. Yeah. And I think theater is so, as you said, whether it's healing because it's showing a, you know, much like Monica Lewinsky's story, like showing a very untold story that needs to be told or, on the flip side, something that's nothing but joy and, and celebration and togetherness and community. Um, I just think Broadway is like a, it's healing. It's so healing. It's healing for me to be in the audience. So um, I'm so glad I get to, get to go back. Um, you know, having gotten to know your brother as well, obviously over the years, um, I know him to be an extraordinarily creative person in many respects, um, not just acting, but in, in writing and directing, et cetera. Um, I see that you, you've written a bit, like you, I read some of your essays. I mean, a very, I mean, like a very moving one about, you know, your, your brother, which I mean, strikes me like you don't have to do something like that. That's something that like is a brave, like, um, you know, things to share with others. And I guess in the hopes of, of, you know, explaining that we all deal with grief um, in profound ways. But I mean, talk to me, is, is writing therapeutic for you? Do you find writing joyful in a different way than, than acting? Or is it a different kind of a, a love or what? Totally. I think um, I love mostly nonfiction writing. Like that is what I kind of essays and kind of ac academic leading essays sometimes is more kind of my, my, my goal would be to write something that is very sociologically driven, but made palatable through like um, human experience. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think um, I've written about bodies and I've written about feminism and I've, but that one that you were referencing was obviously the most difficult. Um, but I think, just like with any type of storytelling, it can make you feel less alone to read something um, that resonates and that feels profound. And specifically with grief, it can be such a lonely feeling ex you know, experience. Um, you feel like you're kind of walking through a world that no one understands. Um, so writing that was really clarifying for me. And then I took the you know sort of jump and, and put it out and it's been really beautiful to, to hear people's responses. Um, but yeah, I love to write. I think more in the way that I was saying than screenwriting as of now, that's not really something that I've, I've gone into, but I also feel like, you know, you can't really work with Greta Gerwig and Olivia Wilde and not be inspired. Um, sure, and you can't yeah. really be Jonah's sister and not be inspired. So 
all of that leads me to believe that someday I will do something along those lines. But, you know, all of them actually say that being an actor is like the best film school you could possibly go to and that we get the privilege of being on everyone's set and get to experience, you know, now I have Ryan Murphy to add to the list and Stephen Karam and all of these incredible directors that I keep just getting to, to be a part of. Rachel Morrison directed some of um, Impeachment and, you know, it's been so wonderful to just experience new people and be on different sets. But that's, I'm still in film school, if right. that makes sense. I'm not You're quite- accumulating knowledge. No, I got you. Yeah. I'm still kind of um, adding more people and more experiences to my learning, but I'm sure, you know, again, you can't not be inspired by those experiences. Well, I mean, the, you know, one of the most exciting aspects as I, as I wrap this up is uh, that you are just getting started um, and that this is just phase one and, um, you know, the, and something and something like this, um, you know, impeachment just represents another jump, another leap, another exciting new side of you to, to show off. And um, you do an amazing job in this, as does, I mean, we haven't even, you know, loved on Sarah Paulson, but that could be another whole hour. Which she doesn't need it. I need longer than 45 minutes to go down that path. No, I'm with you. Sixteen hours to even skim the surface of my love, um, but she's a she's a revelation on the show, yeah. and yeah. she's doing something so outside the realm of. It's such a ridiculously inspiring performance to have gotten to witness be crafted. Um, it's it's sort of I'm always like I can't handle you, and you just need to go away because it's too much. It's too much, <laughs> and I'm done. So you're going to have to leave because I've hit, it's too much good. And we're just going to need to move away. No, um, I hear it because it's like you separate even just like the acting talent and the prowess out. She's also just happens to be funny and charming and smart and cool. And it's like, and then you're also one of the great actors on the yeah. planet. So this is just annoying. Yeah, it's just for, like how, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on this. How you can curse, it's fine. Fucking lucky am I <laughs> that I, I mean, like just every, I think, you know, every project that I've done, I feels like a masterclass, but the real human greatness of it is that I've left with a new family member. Yeah. And that to me is, is greater than any artistic understanding I could have come to, that, that Paulson is my family now, that is the greatest gift of, of it all, so. There you go. Well, congratulations again. Uh, happy New Year to you. Happy premiere day for impeachment. And I'm glad that we have you back in town. And uh, hopefully you have a bit of a break before you start to tackle this event of a lifetime that you've been preparing for. Um, I can't wait to see you on a stage with a big audience safely. Um, it's good to see you as always, buddy. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>